You're listening to China Africa Talk. Jambo ni Bridget akikuletea kipindi kinachohusiana na China na Africa. Vous écoutez le dialogue sino-africain avec Bridget. Everything China, everything Africa. Olá, você está ouvindo China Africa Talk com Bridget. Sayidati wa sadati marhaban bikum fi al-hawar al-siniy al-arabi ma'a Bridget. Welcome, I'm Bridget Mutambira and this is China Africa Talk. To mark World Humanitarian Day on the program, we have Dr. Wengang Song, coordinator of China Medical Team in Ethiopia, and Dr. Stephen Atiki, a China-based Ghanaian medical doctor and PhD student at Wenzhou Medical University in China. In our discussion, we explore what drives people to dedicate their lives to humanitarian donorship, crisis response between China and Africa, and how the rest of society can be engaged beyond the internet and the significance of World Humanitarian Day. Dr. Akiti and Dr. Song, thank you for joining us today on China Africa Talk. Thank you so much for having us. Dr. Song, what inspired you to work in humanitarian diplomacy and work? Okay, since I started learning medicine, I was engaged in humanitarian work. Later, I gradually learned about the stories of China medical teams from generation to generation. Hmm. What brought you, though, into the humanitarian world? Many of my teachers, mm-hmm. colleagues, and classmates participated in China medical teams to oh. Africa. Their experiences made me feel the African people's desire for medical service and the recognition of Chinese doctors. How does it feel, though, rendering your services where you are in Ethiopia? We arrived in Ethiopia in February this year. It has been nearly 50 years since the Chinese medical team began to aid Ethiopia. Every team member has been doing their best to improve Ethiopia's medical skills. We have not been here for a long time, but we can feel the recognition and the trust of the Ethiopian people. I think this trust is a result of unremitting efforts of generations of Chinese medical team members. Okay, Dr. Aki, we've just heard some of the things that inspired Dr. Song to become a humanitarian. You're from Ghana, you're based in China. What issues do humanitarians care about? What's been your experience in China so far? What kinds of humanitarian exercises have you participated in? Uh, so, first and foremost, humanitarianism is something that has been ongoing for some time. Mm. And personally, I've been involved in this for a long time now. Okay. But then there are certain concerns of the humanitarian workers or even humanitarianism as a whole. I usually group them into two groups okay. where some of the challenges can either be systemic challenges or even challenges to the humanitarian workers themselves. Mm-hmm. If we talk about the systemic challenges currently in the world, one of the major challenges we are facing as a whole is climate change. Mm-hmm. Uh, finances, majority from the donor side, are uh, currently reducing because of the impact of COVID-19 on most of the businesses and most of those donor agencies. Mm-hmm. There are systemic things to be looking at increasing this conflict, political conflicts around the world. More people are being displaced and need humanitarian support. Mm-hmm. So this also goes a long way to actually cause more 
work for this humanitarian worker. Now, when it comes to the other parts of the problem, which is problems towards the humanitarian workers itself, the aid workers mm-hmm. and have problems in implementing or helping people out there because of religious beliefs, superstitious beliefs. You also have economic benefits from the people there. And sometimes it's surprising to know that some of them are also attacked. In 2021, the UN talked about 460 aid workers who were attacked all over the world, among which about 117 were kidnapped. So mm. we see that humanitarianism, in as much as people are giving out their best care, food, protection to people, mm. they also have certain challenges. Now, coming to China, China is a place that we are learning a lot. They have their own response to such crisis mm. and humanitarianism here in China mm. has its own way of manifesting. Let's look at how they even did to COVID-19. Uh, you could see that there was fast, rapid response here. Mm-hmm. Also, could look at how the Chinese government was able to disseminate information timely for everybody to have it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the use of technology was hand in hand for us to be able to track where we've been to. You asked the question whether I participated in anything during my time here. Yes, mm-hmm. I've participated in some of humanitarian work. Here, I started an organization called Let's Talk Medicine. This organization tends to give foreigners and even Chinese who have traveled outside China and they're back Mm -hmm. and can only speak English. We give them medical talks, health promotion. Mm. We also teach them about their health here, especially in Wenjo. This Let's Talk Medicine organization is in collaboration with my university that I'm studying my PhD in. That's Wenjo Medical University. We also deal with mental health issues when it comes to student yes mm, okay dr kitty the yeah. chinese people's association of friendship with foreign countries officially recognized and thanked a group of african volunteers who helped fight the coronavirus in china now based on this what would you say are the most challenging aspects of humanitarian work to this day from the stories uh, that you shared or that you've heard from other African doctors, the sacrifices that they made, and the volunteers that are based in China to offer assistance? I think since I have the experience of working in humanitarian organization back in Africa and also mm-hmm. here, mm-hmm. I think I'd like to just do some comparison here and there. Okay. Because yeah, I started an organization called Cliff NGO, which is changing life through health in Ghana, yes. West Africa. And we give free health care to people in Ghana and part of Togo and Burkina Faso. Mm-hmm. With such ones in Africa, you see that you have a lot of volunteers that are willing to go in to work for you mm-hmm. and they are willing to give out their best out there because they feel that they are giving their all into the people they know. Let's also have it that humanitarianism in terms of volunteerism, humanitarianism actually starts from within those who are in a crisis. It's mm-hmm. that having people among themselves that give back to the community. It's been very beautiful to see such, such things back in Africa where you see people going to the community and they help. Mm-hmm. But then even in Africa, you see some challenges here and there mm-hmm. because one, you find financial problems you don't have donors coming to donate to you Mm -hmm. because probably you are in touch with the 
people in the indigenous areas so you don't have social media presence you don't have links to the government through which these donor agencies go through so mm-hmm. two you know where we come from even here in china we have certain superstitious beliefs mm-hmm. and also certain conspiracy theories so let's take for example covid 19. Yeah. when covid 19 came in we could hear a lot of conspiracy theories mm-hmm. around where people were saying it wasn't real some said it was from here it was from there mm-hmm. but we saw how the chinese dealt with it they sent information and they educated their people mm-hmm. i implemented the same thing in ghana because mm-hmm. i happened to be the co-founder of that ngo so the volunteers had to go into the indigenous community to educate them mm-hmm. before the conspiracy theories got to them so even with some of the humanitarian people we have racism being a challenge there and as i said earlier on there's an almighty systemic condition that we need to be tackling currently which is climate change yeah. which happened to increase food safety issues and also causing hunger here and there in china for the first part of your question we've had people like dr percy dr hamad and sophia all giving back to the community during the COVID. Percy's from ghana hamad they are all foreigners here and mm. also we had to deal with the mental health part mm. of the COVID 19 when we were struck by it here in wenjo and i like the theme that the un have this time where they are using arts to actually showcase humanitarianism out in the world dr song yes dr kitty just highlighted some challenges like in africa in terms of support in terms of financial support how it can be a challenge in africa to carry out humanitarian work as much as humanitarians may want they may have those challenges you are the coordinator of the china medical team in ethiopia in your view what's the value of being able to work and offer humanitarian assistance under a response team what's the value of having that humanitarian memo added to neutrality and impartiality where other humanitarians are unable to work. Okay, uh, as of August 16th, 2022, mm-hmm. the total number of confirmed cases of COVID-19 in Ethiopia has exceeded 490,000, and the number that has reached 7,471. Okay. And there are still new cases. Pandemic and the severe drought since 2021, coupled with the security situation in some areas, have led to new public health problems to the Ethiopian people mm-hmm. and brought new humanitarian risks to the vulnerable groups. Mm. As a medical team, we continue to work here and do our best to provide medical treatment to patients in need. This is a kind of action to safeguard human life and dignity, and mm-hmm. it reflects the core of humanitarianism. Mm-hmm. From what I know, we are not fighting alone. Mm-hmm. Organizations such as the International Committee of the Red Cross and the Ethiopian Red Cross are also working with local governments to provide support for people to restore water supplies, mm-hmm. agriculture, and basic living. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right, Dr. Kitty. Okay, hello. Okay, could you tell us more about the common challenges facing women and children around the world when like, a disaster strikes and elaborate like, on some of the guidelines for how humanitarian organizations and stakeholders assist more and maybe even better during a crisis. When crisis or anything happens, the most vulnerable people mm-hmm. are the women and the children. 
Mm-hmm. I believe strongly that when it comes to mapping strategies mm-hmm. uh, for organization and also donor partners, mm-hmm. we should look at one, prioritizing, taking care of women and children first and evacuating them if possible, mm-hmm. and also making sure that they are protected from any gender-based violations mm-hmm. here and there. Secondly, I also think that there should be quick intervention and a reduce in bureaucratic procedures in terms of big global donors or big humanitarian organizations where they may want to wait till things get worse before they come in. I think we saw this even from the practice of the Chinese here in China. During this time, uh, you realize that even if just if it's just a case of COVID-19 in the community, yeah. they are very pragmatic and very quick in intervening into, by just causing a lockdown if it's in the community or just in that district for, for them to keep uh, the crisis from moving to other communities. Also, mm-hmm. I think uh, organizations need to tackle crisis from all sides, from the economical sides, from climate change side, from the health, and also in terms of people-people relationship. Thirdly, mm-hmm. I would say that this bigger or this global donors should, or global organizations should make sure that they communicate with the local leaders and, and or local leadership when they go to such communities to help in giving human humanitarian aid for them to understand the culture and see how they can enter in properly. Fifth one, I'll give an advice that most of these organizations shouldn't just think of partnering governmental Mm. institutions back then, but they should also look at uh, non-governmental institutions that work with the indigenous people, those who may not even have a website or those who may not even have social media present, but they have data to mm. give you to know what is happening with them. Uh, lastly, one thing I always reach out for is the equity in terms of discharging and also assessing information. Mm. And also lastly, when they are ready to give out information or when they need information from people, they should make sure that they also go to the women and know what women think about such situations. Mm. Because if you look at the team for this year, Humanitarian Day, which talks about if you take care of a village, mm. or it's a village that raises a child, yes. you realize that in this concept, even in this concept, I, I believe that this saying is more of an African saying. Mm. And we all know that it's the women that take care of the children and they know what is happening on the ground. Mm. So when they are going to collect information, they should also not look at the cultural setting of, co- of collecting information where they will go to the men there mm-hmm. but they also should involve the women and also involve them in decision making ever wondered what's actually going on in africa through the perspective of an african how are things really going between china and africa what's the narrative of this relationship well get a perspective with china africa talk hear from african diplomats entrepreneurs academics chinese natives and more Get an hour wavelength every week to find out what's real with China Africa Talk. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. We'll see you there. Dr. Song, how would you define good humanitarian donorship? And in what ways does such donorship help humanitarian organizations respond to the needs of people? Good humanitarian donorship as I personally understand it, Mm. 
is no preconditions. Okay, okay. No reward uh -huh. and donations to vulnerable groups uh -huh. within their means. Its focus is on basic human dignity, life, regardless of national boundaries, uh -huh. races, and beliefs. This is the value of humanitarian work and neutrality and impartiality are the basic principles of the action to achieve humanitarian goals. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Responding to people's needs requires more humanitarian workers and volunteers to conduct in-depth research, distribution of supplies and assistance, as well as a huge network support, such as donations from caring people and the material transportation. Mm -hmm. This is a pity system. It's almost like in a relationship, it should be unconditional. Okay, uh, Dr. Akiti, based on yes. some of the humanitarian activities being carried out between China and Africa, could you give us some examples, though, of how vulnerable communities can have equitable access to COVID-19 vaccines? Dr. Song gave us a brief on what's happening in Ethiopia. What have you observed oh. in China that you could probably say, oh, this is a takeaway for your home country or even for the <laughs> continent? I think that's been something that's been ongoing. China has been trying its best mm. to help our continent with the best options of vaccines and also giving us all the necessary support when it comes to treatment and also prevention of COVID-19. Mm. But then let's look at our setting in Africa. Yeah. Um, for communities to be able to get access to vaccines, mm -hmm. the vaccines may go, but if education doesn't go before the vaccines, nobody's going to take it. Mm, you should know that point. there's a new thing out there. Mm -hmm. And if you don't educate your people on the severity of the disease and also that the vaccine doesn't have certain things people are saying they have, mm. where people are saying you merely take the vaccine, uh, you become impotent, you take the vaccine, you can't give the, they claim the vaccine mm. is just a race base. If you, if you don't deal with such conspiracy theory by educating them on the essence of the vaccine mm -hmm. even when you send the vaccine to them they are not going to take it mm -hmm. so i think first and foremost education is very very necessary mm -hmm. and also back home i think it's time that we start partnering the chinese government in research for us to start having our own data so that in the coming years we'll be able to have a vaccine production point now mm -hmm. we have the african free trade happen to have it had in ghana Mm -hmm. They are open to such ideas. So I think we can take advantage of this to bring in some of these companies into vaccine research and also pharmaceuticals for us to have a collaboration. It's not as if we are just bringing the Chinese or donor partners to just come and establish. I think the win-win situation should be established here where part of our continent or part of, 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 of the country donates something mm. and they also bring in something so that it becomes a collaborative effort okay. than just waiting for people to come from outside Africa to help us. I guess it also resonates with the saying for this year's World Humanitarian Day that it takes a village to raise a child, but it also takes a village to support the person in the humanitarian crisis. And in this case, reflecting on yes. what you've just said, the village has to be willing to also accept what's going on and have a better yes. understanding. Yes, yes but, but Bridget, you see, yes. even with the Chinese, if you observe down, they have, you know, uh, President Xi Jinping and the Communist Party talked about the common prosperity goal. Mm. If you observe, some of their villages have adopted this system mm. where they come together as a village to develop their own system. It's something that the Chinese have adopted and is working for them. I think in general, Africa 
we also have similar systems back home where you mm. have the chiefs and the chief, and you have yes. villages and everybody listens to man. our chiefs yeah. i think it's time it's time for us to start educating our chiefs on impacting the economic values of our villages for us to attain a certain heights. Okay. Dr. Song, still building uh, on the saying that it takes a village to raise a child and it's and similarly it takes a village to support a person in a humanitarian crisis. Do you perhaps have any motto you run by every day as a humanitarian worker that you have? Do you have any special humanitarian quotes to remind you that you can make a difference? Uh, yes, it takes many people to spot a person in a human humanitarian crisis mm-hmm. and uh, know the limits of one's ability. Mm-hmm. But I try my best to help beat by beat, one by one. Mm-hmm. And so my motto is, if you can't help so many people, mm-hmm. help just one. Ah, okay. Oh. All right. Okay. That's oh. Dr. Song. He says, if you can't help so many people, help just one. Uh, and I always keep a quote in my mind from uh, Sun Simiao, okay. a famous doctor of a Tang Dynasty in Chinese history. Okay, all right. The quote is, life is the most important and valuable, mm-hmm. much more valuable than gold. Mm. So here, we, the medical team doctors, manage to save lives of dying patients, cure disease and relieve discomfort. Mm. And how about uh, Dr. Akiti, I'd like to know from you, just to wind off, humanitarian efforts are going beyond hashtags to create lasting change. But how can the rest of society be engaged beyond the internet? You know, I think humanitarian work should Mm. be something that everybody should be engaged in. Mm -hmm. Um, in as much as there are hashtags, there shouldn't just be hashtags. Mm-hmm. Uh, it shouldn't just end by just writing and hashtagging on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. Mm-hmm. I think it's time that everybody start donating. Mm-hmm. You know, you can offer your help. You may not be on the grounds, but just donating a dollar or two, mm-hmm. two RMB, five RMB can go a long way to help somebody. Mm-hmm. Two, if you have the opportunity and you're on leave or on vacation and you want to volunteer, try and just sign up and just volunteer somewhere to help someone. Mm. Because when it touch lives, you get one of the best fulfillments on earth. It's high time that um, we start into the deeper communities and also communicating with them mm-hmm. and knowing what is happening in there. We know the history of the place and see how best we can help out. And in all this, uh, it's it's best for people to start collecting data or start doing surveys mm-hmm. and doing researches into such places that are always in conflict mm-hmm. and coming out with a lasting solution okay. not just one that will keep them always in the field mm-hmm. lastly i think beyond all this hashtag mm-hmm. i think it's time we all go out there mm-hmm. <laughs> it's time we all do the education mm-hmm. it's time we all start start spreading the word you know they don't just hashtag it talk to talk to an old lady in your community about it mm-hmm. uh, talk to go to the churches go to the mocks go to the 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 temples go mm-hmm. tell them because it's not all of them that are on social media true, true. and also let's use every available uh, media source that we have to be able to reach people mm-hmm. and also let's talk to our government 
Mm. And a lot of this conflict can be stopped if governments know where to tread and where not to tread. Mm. Thank you. Something like uh, prevention is better than cure in some cases. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. As a humanitarian worker, do you have a special quotes to help remind you that you can <laughs> yeah. make a difference even though yeah. you... Yes. Mm. Yeah, I, I believe strongly that impacting lives mm-hmm. for a better world. That has always been my, my motto. So even if you look at the organization I co-founded, I gave mm-hmm. the name Changing Lives Through Health. Mm-hmm. So we are using health to change lives. So just one life that you change will cause another to smile. And, you know, so just impact lives will give a better world. And I always listen to President Xi Jinping when he talks about um, affecting the world by just making sure that part of it is affected positively. He always makes the assertion that when you are able to influence positively a part of the world, it resonates and also is able to affect other parts Mm. of the world and you can see that china is a great example of it china we all know from the past were not that economically strong but as they put themselves together and they are now economically strong they are now going out there to impact other lives Mm. so that is it for me Okay, Dr. Kiti and Dr. Song, you are both medical doctors working far from home. Thank you for taking time to shine the spotlight, even in your host countries. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. We are quite elated to be on your program. We wish to be here again. Thank you. And a huge shout out and thank you to all humanitarian aid workers around the world, constantly making the ultimate sacrifice to answering calls to protect lives and alleviate suffering of the world's most vulnerable people. Until next time, for now, it's goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others post it on social media or leave a rating and review. Thanks again. See you next time.